Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks for joining me here on Market View, your overview of market news in mere minutes. Asia Pacific markets are trading mix in cautious trade this morning, following a similar performance on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Welcome to Wednesday. We begin this morning where we left off yesterday with the streaming giant Netflix. We're not going to talk about the Love is Blind fiasco, <laughs> at least not yet. I watched it. I will get to that in a moment. First, though, a look at Netflix's earnings and share price. The company's stock plunged in after-hours trade this morning, dropping by more than 10%. But then, just like a good series twist, they bounce back. They even cross into positive territory. The gyrations followed the release of Netflix's first quarter results. All right, the overview, it netted 1.3 billion US dollars in the first three months of the year. Slightly higher than expected, but it seems that Investors are more focused on subscriber numbers and Netflix attempts at cracking down on password sharing. Mm. Tell us more. Yeah, let's look at those subscriber numbers mm. first. So we have them for the first quarter at 1.7 million. So this is below expectations of 2.3 million. So there was a disappointment on that front. And if you look at the numbers, we have earnings and revenue projections disappointing after Netflix reviewed that is uh, expecting for the second quarter $8.24 billion earnings per share, $2.84. Both metrics are below expectations. So it's forecasting weaker growth ahead on top of the disappointing uh, membership numbers. So that is something that is weighing overall on Netflix's share price. So I imagine there are a couple of reasons why you might believe or expect this to play out the way it is because intensifying competition will be one, rising expenses. And of course, uh, another factor is that crackdown in password sharing. That could be a factor as well, maybe scaring off some of the um, customer base or audiences as well. But on the front, there's some good news of sorts. This is around how the crackdown was supposed to take place in the late part of the first quarter, which just uh, went by. It says it's now probably going to do it in the second quarter. So it's a bit of a delay in the crackdown. No reason given. But that is not great news for its bottom line because with the crackdown, it would mean more people would have to subscribe and pay more. So that bump in revenue is not likely to come as earlier as uh, they hoped. So that is something to expect down the road. So this is something maybe that will pay off in the long run. We'll see. Yeah, Scott Birdie put it nicely. He's uh, KPMG's US national media leader. He said it's a catch-22 environment, you see, for streaming companies. They're trying to pivot from chasing subscribers to chasing profits, while at the same time facing inflation-weary consumers who are reassessing their discretionary spending habits. Very apt description there. Netflix officials, though, are asking investors to stop focusing so much on subscriber numbers and look more towards traditional metrics like sales and profit. And the company generated more than two billion US dollars in free cash flow in the first quarter. As we mentioned, it netted one point three billion. 
All right, at the end of the show yesterday, we were talking about how Netflix's plans to air a live broadcast, only the second in its history, fell flat this week when the reunion show of Love is Blind... A lot of fans out there, I know. Well, that didn't go out as planned on time. And Netflix says it now knows what happened. And it wasn't infighting on the set amongst the reality (laughs) actors or whatever you call them. What happened? Yeah, so it comes down to a very simple reason. A technical bug. So that's as simple as it gets, right? So very straightforward. They came out to apologize for disappointing so many people. Um, So this bug apparently was introduced in an attempt to improve live broadcasting after they had their Chris Rock comedy special. And they did not notice the technical error in internal testing because this only shows up under strain of millions of simultaneous live streams. So... That's the excuse I gave. Maybe it's an excuse for a second show. Who knows? <laughs> they broke the internet. No, it was just a glitch. That's what happened. Uh, one more Netflix note before we move on. Did you know that DVDs are still a thing, Ryan? I did not know that Netflix still was holding on to that part of business. I know, right? I mean, that's how I first encountered Netflix. They, it was, they were sending consumers like me DVDs in the mail that you could return and then request for, I think, about five new movies at a go. Those were the days before internet was really a thing and before smartphones and yeah. I think those are the days when floppy disks were like at 1.44 megabytes <laughs> <laughs> and you had to start it in and you had the sound those are the days you're absolutely right they'd mail you the DVDs too uh, apparently that business was still going on until now after 25 years Netflix finally bringing this to a close uh, why did it take them so long? yeah well believe it or not last year they made $150 million from the DVD by mail business. So, not too shabby, but a far cry from the past decade, 10 years before that, they earned more than $900 million. So, there is still some people out there who prefer DVDs being sent to their homes. But, of course, Netflix has bigger fish to fry and they were really want to focus on the streaming side of things. So, less distractions and, of course, the streaming business is worth billions of dollars. They can afford to let it go. Ah, no more iconic envelopes of joy coming your way. Alright, next up, we turn to Apple, which has opened its first flagship store in India. Apple CEO Tim Cook travelled to Mumbai for the opening where he was greeted by long lines of fans, including one who brought his old Mac Classic <laughs> with him. I think uh, we can understand the excitement. I'm wondering if India is really that important to Apple. Uh, so important that its CEO had to do ribbon-cutting there. What do you think? Yeah, it looks like the fanboys and fangirls are everywhere around Apple. So I am looking at some of the pictures. You've got long queues. You've got mobs around Tim Cook. And you've got people really dressing up for the occasion. Some of them even appearing with special haircuts, you know, cutting out the shape of the Apple logo into their hairstyles. It is a bit of a fan frenzy at this opening event at Mumbai. So I am looking at reports suggesting about 300 people queued up on opening day just to see Tim Cook. That is the level of excitement. And this is, I think, equally the same level of excitement that Apple is expecting because... It is doubling down on India, opening in Mumbai. It's going to New Delhi next. Even the Prime Minister 
Narendra Modi is going to be meeting up with Tim Cook to discuss potentially more Apple stores. So you've got a huge plan to grow in India. And going by the first day, it is off to a great start. Yeah, looks like it. Look at that fanfare. I saw a picture of Tim Cook absolutely delighted when he uh, was receiving that first Mac, that old classic Mac from an Indian consumer. Uh, in India, Apple's position is really dwarfed in terms of uh, smartphone markets, I believe. Uh, smartphone share just has 6% of the Indian market. The country's top five vendors are Samsung, Xiaomi and Vivo. They top uh, the rankings there. Apple products still considered too expensive. Mm. by many in the uh, country. You, you'll note that India is the world's most populous country now. It's overtaken China in that regard. It does have a growing middle class though. China, meanwhile, accounted for one quarter of Apple's revenue once. Okay, those days are gone. And Apple is looking to India now to see if it can make up the difference. All right, yesterday on the show, we talked about how Apple is in some ways becoming a bank. It's offering 4.15% interest payments on deposits made via the Apple Card. Apple is doing this in partnership with Goldman Sachs, which today said it's watching out to see if the partnership cannibalizes some of its existing business. So this investment house is also reporting earnings and its profits are falling. Why is that, Ryan? Yeah, so you've got Goldman Sachs talking about a bit of a hit when it comes to a couple of things. And if you look at the first quarter profit, it was down 19%. And the big factor here, one of them was sluggish deal-making. As we've seen in the past year, a lot of concerns around the investment space, jitters as well, the rise in interest rates, just all contributing to that lack of interest among some of the VCs and some of the investors to do more deals. And that's something that hurt the likes of fees that Goldman Sachs typically would get. So losses on that front, as well as losses from the sale of some of its loans from its consumer unit markets. So Goldman booked a $470 million loss on that front. And it's also, according to reports, exploring strategic options for the sale of its consumer platform business. And all in, it's already lost about three billion dollars. So you've got Goldman really under pressure and not being helped on the consumer front of things. Maybe Apple could swing things around. Mm. And if you look at the M&A activity globally, it's shrunk to its lowest levels in more than a decade in the first quarter of this year. So that really hurt Goldman's investment banking fees by 26%. So that is um, something we might be having to track in the coming quarters as well. Big chunk there taken out. The Bank of America has also opened its books, Ryan. How's it doing? All right. Looking at Bank of America, it's a slightly better story. And this on the back of higher interest rates. So if you look at the numbers, it came in at earnings per share, 94 cents, above expectations of 82 cents. Revenue was $26.39 billion, above expectations of $25.13 billion. So earnings was a beat Net interest income, which is what it makes from lending money, that jumped 25% to $14.4 billion. Mm. So it is benefiting from those higher rates. Beating analyst expectations there, Bank of America. It looks like China 
it has finally put COVID zero behind it. The latest economic figures are out and they show that China's economy grew 4.5% in the first quarter of the year. That growth was uneven though, I have to say. But what do you make of that figure? Yeah, it is a surprise upside on that front and 4.5 for context is better than the 2.9 it reported in the fourth quarter, also better than the 4% that was being penciled in by many analysts. So it is better than expected and it seems like we had a better than expected showing and spending from people after the lockdown, revenge spending of sorts, going out and about, going shopping, going eating at restaurants, flocking to the shopping malls, all that contributed to a better first quarter. Then the question though is, what's next? Will this keep up? Is this just going to be what's probably or possibly a front-loaded bump? So that's a big question. How long will that last? And then you have the other headwinds as well, which will be the import and export pressures around what is a very uncertain outlook for the global economy. You for the US under the uh, expectations that we might see a recession. You've got other parts of the world seeing softer than expected growth. So all that could impact where China is. And of course, the property sector is not out of the doldrums yet. So if we're all these moving parts, so not a clear direction or enough confidence to really say that China is back. Yeah, still a st- solid start to China's economy uh, that we're seeing in the start of the year and more room to run perhaps if we look at consumer-led growth. Now some analysts have said that the positive economic news could mean it's a good time to buy Chinese renminbi. What do you think? Yeah, there is an an argument for that if you believe in the Chinese economy and things to go up further. Mm. But then on the other side, you have to weigh what it might do on the monetary policy side of things. Uh, And that can be a factor in capping the upside for the Chinese yuan. Uh, If you look at some of the yield differentials, that is something that's being cited as um, a potential limiting factor if you compare at least to the US dollar. So that is uh, something to weigh if you believe that we might see more stimulus Mm -hmm. for the monetary policy conditions in China to be further looser to help, for example, revive spending or the property sector, that will cap the gains on the Chinese currency. On the flip side, a promising or brighter picture does lie ahead for some forecasters. The likes of JP Morgan and Citigroup have upgraded their full year forecasts mm. on the back of what we saw yesterday. So they are expecting growth of over 6%. That's actually above the official target of 5%. So you've got that going. So it's a rather divided camp right now on where China is going to be. Got it. All right, time for corporate news. We do it up or down style. Let's open the books. Ah, the cost of airing a lie. This was bound to happen. Let's look at Fox News. Ooh, well, that is the price to pay. And that price is $787.5 million. Wow. Fox has to pay that amount because of, what you pointed out, false claims. And this is brought by the voting technology company Dominion that, well, claimed that the network knowingly at false claims linking its machines to conspiracy to undermine the 2020 US presidential elections. So down for Fox. 
down in my books uh, as well. On the back of that news, Fox reaching that $787.5 million settlement uh, did so yesterday, out of court, by the way, with Dominion Voting Systems. And that means that Fox gets to avert a high-profile defamation case. Fox broadcasts had repeatedly claimed that Dominion, the company, switched votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden in the last U.S. presidential election. Now, Fox will pay Dominion nearly $800 million U.S. dollars, an acknowledgement, of course, of the falsity of those claims. And that's a big chunk of money. I think, though, this may still be an up for Fox because Murdoch, Tucker Carlson and others no longer have to take a stand. Mm-hmm. So they've averted a very serious uh, defamation charge coming their way personally. You have, <laughs> I was going to say there's a thought. price of making content. <laughs> uh, they probably got some extra viewers along the way. Ah, Price of doing business for Fox. Oh, goodness me. Okay, let's look at Hong Kong Broadband Network, Hong Kong's biggest telco. Yeah, so that's going to be an up for me. And this because it's on the shopping block. You've got China Mobile in the mix right now, reportedly looking at acquisition of HKBN. So that could potentially spark a bidding war for HKBN. And right now, current value, currently valued at 1 billion US dollars. I know. Look at that. Bidding war. Uh, On the back of that news, China Mobile reportedly in talks to buy HKBN. So I will give HKBN an up. If you've just joined us, welcome. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Your Money. Markets in minutes, what we're doing right now. Let's look at Meta. Yeah, Meta is a down for me. And I would say I say this with a heavy heart because it looks like yet another round of layoffs at Meta. And the number being put up in the air right now is 4,000 jobs based on the report. And you might remember not too long ago, it was a cut of 10,000 jobs, which was not too long ago in November, 11,000 jobs. So you've got this pain continue to play out at Meta. And just for context, last year, end of last year, Meta had around 86,000 employees so it really is the year of efficiency where mm. they are really trying to cut costs. Yeah, and yet Reality Labs still going on. In fact, some speculation is that these uh, round of job cuts are going to reach the projects and the teams within Reality Labs. And that is a unit dedicated to uh, augmented and virtual reality experience. Will they see the act soon? We'll keep you posted. United Airlines is next. All right, let's declare UA. And UA, I am going with mm-hmm. hmm, an up. And that's because it's got its eye on a brighter second quarter forecasting profit. Even though it yeah. reported a loss for the first three months of the year, it thinks you no know, brighter days are ahead. And hopefully it does come through for them. It's, um, despite predictions for an economic slowdown from some quarters... It seems to be, well, expecting some optimism from expenses to be um, under control to an extent. I'm going to give them an up as well. I mean, United is forecasting a return to profitability in the second quarter of the year. And it says that consumer demand, particularly for international trips, is strong. Let's look at GSK. How much is cough medicine worth? <laughs> $2 billion if you are GSK, who <laughs> is expecting to buy Bellis. So that is to bolster its pipeline of experimental medicines. So this is going to pay 15 or rather 14 
$1.25 per share in cash for balance. So that's a premium of slightly over 100%. And this uh, is going to be well, one expensive dose. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one, I have to say. I mean... Clearly an up for Bellis. I'm not sure about the price tag for GSK. $2 billion. Wow. Uh, GSK paying to buy the Canadian biotech company Bellis Health. So I'm going to give it uh, an up for Bellis. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last word of the day. In fact, let's uh, say it's a phrase. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's go to New York. The lights are going down. The curtains are falling on the longest running show in Broadway. I'm talking about The Phantom of the Opera. Have you seen it? I've seen it multiple times in various ways. We have a fan in the room. Are you a fan? Have you watched it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I'm a huge fan of musicals, A. And B, I mean, the music's great. And then The Falling Chandelier. Wonderful. But after 35 years, the final show is airing Sunday evening and apparently getting a ticket, not that easy. They're going for, you want to guess, Ryan? Uh, it's going to be a very expensive one because <laughs> I know these fans. Yeah, you're right. 4000 US dollars for a seat. What do you think? Oh, if you really enjoy the experience, I think it's priceless. Now, $4,000 maybe is something that lives on forever in your mind. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine it ending though. It feels like some of these musicals live forever and should live forever. But no, Phantom of the Opera has grossed 1.3 billion US dollars in sale. And after 35 years, final show airing Sunday evening, it's coming to an end. Andrew Lloyd Webber, who is the composer behind the musical, hinting it may not return to the stage because uh, he said to an interviewer recently, Lloyd Webber, uh, the Phantom sends me notes from time to time saying he's quite in love with New York and he may not want to be away from Broadway. I'm looking at other reports. He is also hinting that it may come back. The chandelier <laughs> might rise again yeah. somewhere in New York yeah. much sooner than people might think. So he is keeping people guessing. So I'm confused. So is it ending or is it not? <laughs> I am sure going by how you've seen these opera runs, they probably will find a way to milk it again. They're like cockroaches. They live forever. Not the best analogy <laughs> from one of my favorite musicals. The uh, show will go on. <laughs> Much better. He's Ryan Wong. I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks for joining us here on Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.